You're listening to episode one of City of London Symphonia's Views from the Pit podcast mini-series, bringing you backstage insights about the Opera Holland Park 2018 season from an orchestra perspective. First up, some of our team caught up with James Clutton, the Director of Opera at Opera Holland Park, and CLS Chief Executive Matthew Swan. So thanks so much for being here with us. You're very welcome. Pleasure. James, you've been the director of opera here since 2000, if that's correct. Yeah, well, so it feels about years. since about 1850. Okay. <laughs> you commissioned both times, haven't you? I mean, it feels like that this morning or this afternoon, whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been here since 2000, so, uh, you know, it seems an incredibly long time, but it, it never seems it really on a day-to-day basis because we've always tried to keep everything moving, so it hasn't become boring of good days and bad days obviously but the good days massively outweigh the bad days and we try and keep it moving all the time so there's a it feels different all the time Mm -hmm. so how would you say that the opera has evolved since its beginning well it's some absolute practical things so when I started the theatre was a much smaller it was about 800 seats uh, it was nowhere near as enclosed mm-hmm. over the stage or, or the it was enclosed over the stage but, and the auditorium it wasn't as enclosed so it was mm-hmm. much more light going in the sound wasn't as good um, and I think that just we were um, it's just a more prestigious place now because of a number of things. You know, better singers ever since we've got you know Sydney London Symphony as well. Everything sort of came together and, and we've kept moving that together. Has there been any highlights in terms of performances? Is there any one performance that stands out that you particularly enjoyed that was special in any way? Well, I don't. I don't know about the. Uh, the one I mean we're standing here today on the on the uh, what is it today the 14th yeah, yeah. 14th yeah. of June I mean yesterday uh, you know memories longer than that but yesterday was really a massive highlight for us we were midday we had a school's matinee with a thousand kids giving a stand innovation at the end I think all of the cast the whole company all the orchestra all of my team were incredibly moved by that it was just one of those special times it's difficult to explain even 24 hours later and then later on we had a, a Hope for Grandfall Gala, uh, which was uh, you know, an incredibly emotional day as well. So yesterday was probably one of the days, actually, in, in the history of the company. But many over the years, and I think that, you know, it's just, it, there's, there's too many to sort of pinpoint because I think it's been a gradual uh, increase in quality and uh, togetherness that's just led to us being here now. What about you, Matthew? My highlights? Yeah. Uh, same as James, yesterday evening, um, uh, and in fact yesterday afternoon, Alex Regan, who was our performances manager, said that it was the loudest cheering you'd ever heard for any performance. Yeah, it really was, and it was the highest pitched cheering. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> like... Thousand eight-year-olds. Yeah, it was like, it was like a sort of, you know, for the older listeners, a Beatles concert, or a Take That concert or something, there were screams, it was genuine screams, and all the cast came off saying they knew it was like to be a pop star. Yeah, that sort of really heightened thing. I suppose, I suppose in a way, I mean, people talk about authenticity of music. That's quite an authentic reaction. I mean, if you go to Palermo or Naples or something like that in Italy mm-hmm. and go to the opera there, you'll get that kind of reaction. It's not the polite applause you might get in yeah. some opera houses here. But they just, it was immediate, I think. Mean. So it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a lovely day. Mm. Really lovely day. Let's talk a bit about the collaboration. So CLS has been the resident orchestra at Opera Hon Park for 15 seasons now. How did that start? We were looking for a relationship with an orchestra. It was like band splitting, there were artistic differences. There were differences, yeah. I mean, it was only a few years before we were still a scratch band, mm-hmm. you know, that we employed a fixer. And then it was a move to get a named orchestra, which we did, mm-hmm. that will be unnamed. <laughs> and uh, 
and then and then we we met with the uh, the CLS and uh, you know from early on it felt that we the structure of the way the company's built actually sort of suited us yeah I think there's I think aside from the fact that it's great fun and our players really enjoy playing here and all our friends and supporters enjoy coming here so we had 70 people in last week um, a lot of people that have you know supported the orchestra quite significantly really enjoy that aspect of it um, but I think it's about values as well so you know things like accessibility making sure that whoever can come to concerts or the opera and there's no there's no sort of cultural or financial barriers there mm-hmm. I think you know the commitment to placing equal value on what we do on stage and in community so you know you're in a lot of schools around here yeah. we're working in a lot of well-being settings and, and schools in, in different ways so it's, it's all those little things and I think it's it's just two companies that come together every year for three or four months that have similar values and it just it kind of works and it melds mm. and also James makes the best martini in Christendom <laughs> I do make a good martini that's yeah. it there's other things about collaboration as well I mean there's a silly one here that I talk about a lot it's about the a couple of things if you were designing a company designing a theatre from scratch you wouldn't do and yet they've become our strong points you know, one of them is that if you were designing any theatre you'd make a proper pit you know, we haven't got a pit here. Well, there is a pit, here, but you know, you see it, the orchestra from the from every seat in the house. So, you would always design to have a pit, but that's helped us get an amazingly different closeness for us and most companies because the audience feel connected with the orchestra. Yeah, they get they get used to certain players where they are. They yeah. see more of what they actually physically do. The players see more of the show because they can actually see it and, and they feel it so that helps playing but also the you know connective uh, connectivity and then also because the nature is a, a temporary theatre you know we've got you know okay space out the back you know the dressing rooms and that but not great and they're certainly not on different floors so everyone in, in bigger you know more connected more designed opera houses would probably not see each other that much but here the chorus and the principal singers the stage management the orchestra the wigs the palm they all just have to see each other mm. yeah. Yeah, and like in a, a way and in a way that just helps things you go you know you see people all the time you're great tonight or the thing mm. and that just adds to a feeling that it's more you know, it's more one company rather than there's a soloist and that they're the thing and everyone else is a little bit mm. you know and so i think all those things you'd you'd design a bigger house backstage and you design a pit but actually, I think we benefit from not having either of those. I think so as well. I mean, a lot of the orchestra, I mean, I'm just reminded of one player this, this summer, um, who phoned up really early asking what the operas were. And she said, you know, I, I want to find out I'm going to spend my summer. It wasn't, it wasn't I'm waiting for the dates. It was, I'm, I'm going to do opera on a part. That's what I do every summer. Yeah. And I think what's interesting as well is that, because I, whenever I'm here, I make, make a point of thanking the players as they, they come off. But you... I think at the start of most offers will go and shake the leader's hand and that sort of stuff and you just wouldn't get that in most places yeah and also physically you probably couldn't do that in a lot of big opera no, houses no you couldn't and so but my it's, it's now I've got incredible OCD you know superstition whatever you call it but also I, I every night I go to the front of the orchestra pit and shake the leader's hand you know have a quick chat to them just the feeling all the rest of the orchestra can see me from there so it's signed to everyone okay let's let's do this thing and they know you're there and you know they know that you're you know committed to it as well you know i spend all my summer here as well and all the rest of the time one thing i'd like to talk about is accessibility so you say you want to make opera accessible to people 
which kind of groups do you reach out to? Well, when I talk about that, I mean, I don't even mean groups, really. I just think that there's, you know, to take away that there's even a level of groups. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I think that people always ask us, uh, you know, what do you wear to come to Open Pines? So, well, if you, unless you're in the show, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do I know about the story? Well, you don't need to know the story. If we, can't, if we can't tell you the story when you're there, then we're doing our job. So I think it's more of an attitude as much as we... I've got systems. We've got a lot of... We've got a thousand free tickets a year mm -hmm. to under-18s. Uh, 600, I think it is, uh, over-65s. We do a lot of Inspire tickets, which are cheaper tickets. Mm -hmm. So there's all these sort of things. But I think that... Ultimately, though, the goal is that it's not, uh, you know, people don't ever say, oh, it's the opera, and, you know, worry about what to wear. Are they going to understand it? Are they going to feel stupid? It's just a, you know, that's our problem. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done a lot of work, Tasha and I, in, at CLS, about what are the barriers. And it, I think people forget that it's either cultural, it's cultural and financial to yeah. a lot of people that aren't used to engaging with the arts more widely and you know you can do a five quid ticket or a free ticket yeah. and a lot of places do that but they're not necessarily getting the numbers through because there's still those cultural barriers there mm -hmm. it's kind of a perceived snobbery yeah uh, and sometimes inverse snobbery from the people that aren't going it's not for Indeed. me uh, but if you just get the cultural stuff right and then charge 150 quid a ticket well not many people can afford 150 quid yeah. for a ticket um, you've, yeah. got, you've got to do both I, I think that's right, but I think that we've, Matthew and I have talked about this a lot over the years, over, over a couple of martinis probably, um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, the stuff for the Village Underground that you guys do, and so I, I like the thing of just, I love being in the theatre, that's our core work, obviously, but just, just to physically stop some of the barriers, it's just doing stuff that, you, that people don't expect. But you were saying the other night when we were chatting about this, you know, or about the... Um, just in the in the village underground, you yeah, just you just do that, and it's like people sit in different ways. People, yeah, yeah. you go just change the prism a bit. It's interesting. The, we did a concert last November at Southwark Cathedral, and we took that approach to Southwark Cathedral. And 25% of the audience were under the age of 25 in a cathedral, which never happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. And of course, the, and we had all the chairs taken out, cushions on the floor. People just wandered around, completely immersive experience. Um, and the other thing, of course, that people forget with, with this is the need to, when you're talking about music specifically, is don't forget the visual, which of course you guys get absolutely nailed right. Brilliant productions here. Um, but suddenly that we're going to be taking that round loads of cathedrals in the country. Yeah, nice. Because it's just you know it's nice. And it's also I think the thing about you and Mike is you're coming from a perspective where you've not had that traditional bringing up in, in opera. Yeah. So you've, there's a different mindset to it. I think that the uh, you know we've done family operas out in the park, mm. and stuff. but I think that you know you try and get rid of as many problems for people, but but also not dumbing it down in the slightest. You know that Traviata we did for the kids yesterday. That was just the show. I mean, we changed one thing about the painting that we use in it. Yeah, that's probably oh, really? why. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine which one that is. <laughs> but we still, we still had it was quite a risque painting as such because we knew we wanted to make it like that, but it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't the one we used. In the uh, you might have had a few complaints. <laughs> if you came out in, yeah. yeah, so we didn't do that. But I think that you know we don't dumb it down. But I think that you know we used to just be competing with plays or other opera houses yeah. you're competing with Netflix or watching box sets whatever you want to do and, and, and that's always been the same problem with different forms of entertainment there have always been other things to do but now they're so wide you think you know I, I'm quite even though I want it to be accessible I'm quite hard on other things I hate sort of the 
culture of eating and drinking in the, in the I think that's something that we don't need particularly I, I, I think it's just that it's not in someone's living room people are right in front of you playing or singing it deserves a bit of respect but I do think that you bring you can up take a drink in, you can take a drink in. but I mean certainly you know the, the way of of, of of being up close to people and sort of not noticing that they're performing to anything yeah. but, I, but I think that there is a lot to be said for just that it, you know people understand I mean the kids keep going back on it it's just so fresh in my mind the kids yesterday were we've got about two minutes scene change in Traviata and they all start talking as our, as our normal audiences do absolutely because that's what you do there's nothing to see this stage management just changing it um, as soon as and everyone outside was going oh, it's gonna, we're ne- they're never going to be quiet again and then as soon as the music started I went to silence I've got away. a theory about this I've got a theory about this see what you think about this because we are most of our concerts we kind of say you know it's not a normal classical concert do what you will but just do it we're, we're quite explicit about this because we're offering often in different musical spaces but you know just the bar's open but just do it with respect for others yeah. I think that's implicit here um, but because there aren't those restrictions and people staring at you and shh you know every time yeah, yeah. someone makes a noise and that sort of stuff or yeah. people opening sweet rappers really yeah. quietly in inverted commas yeah. you create a very different atmosphere yeah. and I think because there are people don't perceive that there are the same sort of stifling restrictions you end, actually end up with a much more quiet much more attentive focused audience than you would do in a more traditional venue yeah, yeah. I do agree I think that's a good thing so what can the audience expect from the rest of the season well we've got uh, we've got another week and a half of productions here on these two with Traviata and the Cosi Fantucci which is going brilliantly the next half is uh, we've got our first ever uh, Strauss opera into uh, Ariadne of Naxos which the players are really looking for are they excited about that with the woodwind parts especially yeah it's, yeah it's like every single woodwind part is just a concerto all the way through yeah so they're super oh, yeah, excited that's great that. I didn't know that in fact one of the woodwind principals basically phoned all our other colleagues and said you are doing this opera <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a good test for us, I think. It's a nice thing. So we're going to do that. And uh, the final uh, opera of the year is uh, Isabeau, Mascani, which is sort of our house speciality, is that sort of rare Italian work. Um, See, ita- ita- the, the annual Italian Verissimo. Well, yeah, no one's ever heard of it. No one ever heard. Oh, that's interesting. So I was like, is my, you know, my partner in crime finds these operas, and they always say, yeah, okay, find it. But they try and produce them as a different thing. They normally have about 100 people on stage. And Lady Godiva type story. And, um, and she died at the end. Spoiler. spoiler alert yeah. you know it's Italian Verismo it's Italian Verismo basically it's boy meets girl girl dies yeah. Um, so yeah we've got, I think we've got some of your uh, biggest orchestra we've ever had here as well is it, is it the biggest 64 one? yeah right. 64 so, and I think we've got uh, three of the trumpets in a uh, Costumes. One of them was getting fitted up tights. last night. Really? Yeah, yeah. L- literally and figuratively <laughs> getting fitted up. <laughs> and um, and uh, and yeah. So the, the the three heralds. You know, there's like big announcements in medieval, and they're coming on. So we've got three of them to come on and do the. I didn't know one of them was being fitted. Yes, that's nice. Yeah, they're yeah, all wearing, yeah. you know, really nice costumes. It's like Game of Thrones type costumes. It <laughs> oh, is, we look forward to seeing that. Good. that. Yeah. Good. Very good. Thanks to James and Matthew for talking with us in our first 2018 episode of Views from the Pit. 
Stay tuned for more OHP-related podcasts, including Interval Biscuit Talk with violinist Charlotte Reed and Matthew Maguire, Memory Lane with French horn Mark Payne and tuba Stephen Wick, and Ariadne Alfnaxos with conductor Brad Cohen. If you like our podcasts, feel free to like or comment on SoundCloud or review us on Apple Podcasts. And why not share your own OHP experiences on Twitter using the hashtag OHP2018.